Hey, you're listening to the Prime Culture Podcast. This Prime Culture is for the dreamers, the schemers, and the believers. We're here to introduce a whole new generation to the abundant life. We're here for the prime of our lives. Uh, tonight, the content is going to be pointing back to Jesus. We're still continuing over everything, right? So, <clears throat> so here we go. So over everything, right? So the idea, the idea for the entire season, season three, has been is exactly that, over everything, right? So um, at Culture Night, um, a, a couple of Fridays ago, with that, no, that was this Friday, right? I was on the 24th. Um, at Culture Night, I, I opened up the, the perspective of this, that it should be Jesus over everything, right? Um, where that came from, and I'll give you a little bit of church history, right? So you can geek out with your friends and be like, man, I read Wikipedia, right? Um, uh, Martin Luther, Martin Luther um, was a German Catholic priest, and he was essentially listening and watching at how the church at large was presenting Jesus and presenting the gospel. Um, and they were, doing it, they were doing it in a way that wasn't necessarily um, aligned with or in congruency with um, what he read in the scriptures. He was one of the few guys in, the, in, in his time who could read, okay? Um, I want you to understand that like in, in those times, reading was a luxury and not everyone read. And that's the beauty of the church. Let me just say this to you, that during the Renaissance, during, during the Dark Ages, the, the church was able to shine because the church celebrated literacy. The church celebrated learning and academics, and, and it celebrated the arts, right? Let's not, let's not forget that when they asked Jesus, when guys came and asked Jesus and said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your what? All your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, right? All your heart, your mind, right? So loving God includes loving him with your mind, right? And so no one should ever, ever, ever tell you don't think about it. On the contrary, your mind should be fully activated. And that's, a, that's good news for the thinkers in the room, for the dreamers in the room, right? Because if the Lord has put it in your mind or if it's perceivable in your mind, it's probably because, because God put it there. Right. If you've got if you've got a dream, if you've got an idea, you pursuing that dream, you pursuing that idea honors God with your mind. Does that make sense? Right. So Martin Luther is a guy who can read. And so he's not just taking the Pope's word for it. I'm not shooting shots at the Pope. All right. So like, don't at me, bro. Right. But but at that time, the Pope was leading a church, the, the church in this way where there was a lot of extra biblical stuff happening. There was a lot of stuff that was happening where it was like, yo, like, I don't necessarily see it in the text. There was a lot of traditions of men, <clears throat> excuse me, that like didn't line up with what he was reading in the word. And so as young believers, let me just encourage you, you got to have a relationship with God's word. Amen. You know, one of, one of the things that I hear from your generation all the time and from, from believers and Jesus followers that are your age is... Ayo Cruz, like, how can, I, how can I get to know Jesus better? I get asked that all the time, right? Like, how can I get to know Jesus better? And you're going to know Jesus better 
Yes, by coming to church. Yes, by having emotional moments, one million percent. Jesus wants to, like, he wants to ruin your mascara all the time. He wants your makeup to get runny all the time, right? You know what I'm saying? He wants, he wants, your, he wants you to sweat your weave out at church. Like, we used to come, we, we grew up at a church. We grew up at a, we grew up at a church, Diana and I um, were both pastor's kids. And so, like, we grew up in churches where the, it was a very heavy gospel expression. And if, if you've ever seen, like, a Tyler Perry movie and they go to church, right? I'm saying, like, that's, we grew up in African, predominantly African-American church. Um, and so, like, sweating your weave out was a normal thing, right? Like, like when you're like, 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 like God gets, I, I was going like this because people are like, oh, hallelujah, right? Like, like, you've seen it? Or am I the only one? You're like, Cruz, are you okay? You having a seizure? No, it's like, oh, that's Jesus, you know what I'm saying? And like people's wig would fall off, you know what I mean? And like the, like the old lady slip, like she's wearing a slip. Y'all know what a slip is? So like a thing under her skirt and that thing would fall off because she's just like, oh, and the music is like, right? Are you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and people are just like, oh my, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, anyway, but, and so yes, you will know Jesus through the experience, right? But you're not supposed to only have an experience. The experience should lead to relationship, right? And relationship comes from understanding. Relationship literally comes from uh, relating, right? And so how are you going to relate with the Lord? Well, Jesus is the word, right? And so you have to have a relationship with the word of God, right? So you want to know Jesus better. You got to know his word, right? And so Martin Luther is a guy who knew the word, and as he's reading the word, he's saying, yo, like what I see here isn't what I see y'all giving us, right? And so you heard me talk about it at Culture Night a little bit and pause, by the way, shameless plug. Um, if you haven't already, go catch the Culture Night message. It's on YouTube. Um, it is Jesus Over Everything, part one. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, that's very self-serving, right? It's so like, it was amazing. It's the best thing I've, I've ever heard, right? Like, <laughs> like whatever, but it's true. Um, Right. But what was happening at the time was was the traditions of men and the convenience of men was leaking into how how the church was leading the people of God. The church was leading people of God out of preference, out of opinion, out of different options and really from conveniences to the point where there were these things. One of the biggest things that Martin Luther protested. Right. This is where the Protestant movement came from. Okay, we are all Protestant evangelical Christians. Cruz, what does that mean? Simple, here we go, you ready? I'm giving you some church history, a little bit of seminary Bible school, all right? Okay, number one, Protestant. I'm Protestant because my expression, our expression of faith comes from the movement and the awareness and the revelation or the return to the apostles' teaching that came from Martin Luther. On October 31st, I don't remember the year, but October 31st is not Halloween Day, it's Reformation Day, all right? It's the Protestant, the Protestant Reformation, but on October 31st, Martin Luther takes 95 lines, we call it the 95 Thesis, right? His 95 protests, and he hangs it on the wall of the, of the church in, I think it's Wittenberg, Germany, if I'm not mistaken, but right, right in the city that he's at. Um, and in those, in those 95 Thesis, he's essentially defining, I protest this, and he has 95 lines of protest. The most significant one is where um, the church had taken the grace, faith, salvation power away from the, from the finished work of Jesus and put it in their own hands. Cruz, what's the finished work of Jesus? Great question. I want you to take notes on this. You gotta understand the finished work of Jesus, okay? When we say the finished work of Jesus, here's what we mean. As believers, as young believers, okay, I'm, I'm going to put myself very conveniently in that group, okay? As young believers, we need to understand statements like this, that Jesus finished 
what he started. That's good news for you and I. Because if he did not finish what he started in his personal, in his being alive in flesh and blood on the earth, if he did not finish his, his work, if he didn't do the job all the way, then you and I are screwed. That's what Paul said. If, if there is no resurrection, then we are of all men the most miserable. And, our, and he uses the word abstinence, our abstaining from living, living like the world and living different um, you know, in the world but not of the world. Our living in, in, in discipline is pointless if there's no resurrection, yeah. is what Paul said. It's just all human effort, and human effort will get us nowhere, right? However, he said, but because there is a resurrection and Jesus did finish his work, then our response of living different is not human effort, but it is proof positive that through the finished work of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus, we now have a new nature given to us where I'm not who I used to be. And I'm not... I don't do what I used to do, right? That's what we call the finished work, that Jesus lived as a man, died as a sinner, and resurrected in victory over death, sin, hell, and the grave. That's the finished work, right? And so what Martin Luther was protesting was, yo, y'all are taking too much power. Y'all are taking all the power away from Jesus and giving it to yourself. How so? Well, they were selling indulgences. Here's what that meant. Essentially, what they were saying is like, yo, listen, um, you committed adultery, dope. Um, if you say 100, well, I mean, that's not dope, right? But like, it's not good. But say 100 Hail Marys and pay us this much in gold, you'll be all right. Right? Oh, your, oh your, your brother died. You know what? And this is where the concept of limbo and purgatory came from. Because essentially, the church was selling an exit out of limbo and purgatory through these indulgences. Hey, if you give us enough money, you can buy your family members way into heaven. And what they did was they were taking the glory from God, the power from Jesus's finished work and giving it to themselves and putting it back in the hands of human effort. Does that make sense? Right? And so Martin Luther said, no, man, no, that's not what I see in the gospel. What I see in the gospel is the complete depravity of man, right? That man in of himself cannot save himself. If I'm drowning, how can I save myself? Do you know what I mean? If I'm drowned, like, like by definition, I'm unable to save myself. So if, if I'm unable to save myself, hello, I need a savior. Right. And so um, essentially what Martin Luther was saying was like, we're going to bring this thing back to Jesus. And so his 95 thesis can be summed up in these five statements. And I'm going to give you the, the five statements of Luther's Protestant uh, Reformation. Number one, solus Christus. Um, can I give them to you in Latin? I just I, I just want to flex a little bit. Is that all right? Yeah. Right. Solus Christus. Right. Or Christ alone. Christ alone. What does that mean? Christ alone means is the assertion that Christ alone is the basis on which the ungodly are justified in God's sight. Through Christ alone do we get access back to God. No one else. Through Christ alone. By faith alone. Or solas, or sola fide. As, right, in Latin, sola fide. Or by faith alone. So by Christ alone, 
by faith alone. So by faith alone, this maintains that the believer receives redemption, the redemption that Christ has accomplished only through faith, not through your works, not through you having it all together, not you being able to keep this cosmic checklist, point A, point B, point C, point D, point E, right? Because if, if that were the case, that list grows and 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 grows. And I think all of us in this room right now, can, can attest to and be witnesses of how exhausting it is to try to keep that checklist yeah. to the point that it's so exhausting that I just give up, yeah. right? That's my story, right? Like it became so complex that I, like typically the complex will make a human being be complacent, wow. right? So it wasn't that I didn't care about being right with God when I was acting like a heathen and literally was far from God. It's not that I didn't care about it. It's just like, yo, like that's way too much, bro. Like that, that all, all of that is on me. I can't do that. So why am I even going to try? Right? So the complexity of, le- of, 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 of human works will leave a human being complacent in trying to approach God. Like I want to be close to God. And for, for, for most of us in this room, that's our story. I want to be close to God. I do. I want to be close to God, but I can't do it. Like, I can't. Like, so why am I even going to try? And honestly, that's the cry of your generation. Every time I sit with a young adult, every time, no, no matter what walk of life it is, right? No matter what walk of life, if they grew up in a church, grew up in, in, a, in, in an agnostic home, right? Like, at some point, we, I always arrive at the conversation of like, well, you know what? I mean, I do believe I mean, I am spiritual. I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't go to church, but I'm spiritual, right? And you know, that, that's what's crazy to me because the, the statistics, church gets it wrong, right? So church will throw out these crazy statistics. Like, all of these young adults are leaving the faith. Well, actually, you're not. Young adults aren't leaving the faith at all. Young adults are more full of faith than ever. But the big statistic is not, uh, is that they're, they're st- the, the falling away is that they're not claiming Christianity anymore. What they're claiming is they're undeclared. They're undefined. I believe in something. I don't know what it is yet, but I know it's not that version of church. I know it's not that version of faith. I know it's not that, man, like, I don't know, man. I saw my dad try and he sucks. Is that too honest? It's okay to say amen in the room. Like, your dad's not going to watch the YouTube. Like, your dad can't even get on YouTube. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he's like, he's on Facebook, you know, putting up, like, Trump memes. What? No, sorry, sorry. Like, I'm going to leave it alone. Yo, yo, for real though, right? And, and that's what's happening. That's what's, that's what's happening. And I said it to you guys at Culture Night that there is a protest. Your generation is protesting. But no one has taught you how to protest the right way. There is a protest. There's something inside of you that says, man, I don't, I, okay, I, man, I don't know. And it's, and it's in your generation's DNA also. It's protesting. It's raging. It wants something real. Your generation does. You're starving for something real. It's not that you don't believe. It's that you just don't believe in this version of what like Western American Christianity has been feeding you. Right, And I'm not throwing stones at our church. We have a great church, but the church at large, I think, could do a much better job than saying, hey, just don't have sex, get married, and you'll be a good Christian. And you're like, for real, that's it? That's it? That's all there is to being a Christian? Like, I could do that without Jesus. Right? 
so look. Well, I mean, I could almost do that without Jesus. <laughs> I could kind of do that without. I could try to. Okay, no, no, tell me more about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yo, and, so, and so, so Luther essentially sums it up in these things. Strip away all the human indulgences. Strip away all of the traditions of men. Strip away all of the different creeds, all of the different, all, all of the different denominational perspectives, all of the dish, different heritage, and this is what you're left with. And, and this is why we call it over everything. So, so Martin Luther said, it's Christ, Jesus Christ alone. By faith alone, by grace alone, God's word alone, to the glory of God alone, right? He said, this is how a human being returns to the Father and lives in a life-giving relationship with his creator, with her creator. It's not done through the interpretation of man. It's done through Christ and Christ alone. It's done by faith and faith alone. It's done by the grace, the divine empowerment of God and by grace alone. It's accomplished by the word of God alone and it should be to the glory of God alone, not to the glory of a denomination, not to the glory of a church, as much as we love church. We're not doing this to the glory of abundant church. We're doing this to the glory of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, right? Right? And so, and so the reason we've said over everything for season three is because we want to craft this content and point your generation towards that. We want you to live in a way. We want to teach you it, to just have a couple of tools in your life where you can say, man, okay, this is why and how Jesus alone. Jesus over everything. Jesus, Jesus over everything, right? My faith, faith over everything. Grace over everything. God's word over everything. God's glory over everything, right? And so we'll unpack all that some more. But on Friday night at Culture Night, I started the conversation about Jesus over everything, right? And if you remember the, the content, again, if, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna recap the whole sermon, right? But in the sermon, we talked about how Jesus is, is always caught in the middle, Right? He's, always, he's always caught in the middle. He's caught in the middle of people who don't know enough and the middle of people who know too much. And not knowing enough can separate us from Jesus and knowing too much with, uh, for, about Jesus can make us familiar and separate us from Jesus. Right? And so you have a dude, this is John 14, 4. You have a dude named Thomas. And Thomas says, Jesus, I don't know, man. I, I doubt. It's hard for me to believe. Like You're saying you're going somewhere, but I don't know the way, bro. I don't even know where to start. And I'm grateful that Jesus is, is comfortable right? With the people who don't know where to start. And then you have these, this, this other dude named Philip. And Philip isn't, a, isn't saying, Jesus, I don't know where to start. He's saying, Jesus, look, if you show me the Father, it'll be sufficient. In other words, what I've seen you do, Jesus, isn't enough. I need to see more, right? And so whether you're just starting faith and you're just starting your steps following Jesus and you're like, yo, I don't know where to go. This is brand new to me, bro. Like, like I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out. I don't know which way to go. Or you've grown up in this thing. And you're like, man, I've, tried, I've been doing this Jesus thing for 22 years. That, that, this is it? That's it? Jesus, you got to show me some more. You owe me more. Right? Have you ever been there? And I didn't have time to say that on Friday night, right? But it's like, like that, 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 that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the problem, right? Like, like with, with, with the Thomases, the ones who are brand new, it's like, man, I don't know enough. And I don't know which step to take. And so I don't know, man. I'm kind of freaking out. And then there are the other ones who have been doing this your whole life, right? Like the church kids, they're church rats who grew up around church. And like, this is normal. You know when to raise your hands. And you know how to eat the little bread. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what a tithe is. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's 10%, right? Like, like you know all of that? 
right? But you know too much because now it's, now it's just you're going through the motions and there's no, there's no honor and it's not reverent. It's not sacred anymore, right? Either way, the way Jesus addresses them is like, look, I'm over it. And, and he points them both back to himself. And he said, listen, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. If you're brand new to this walk, I'm the way. I'll show you the way. The way isn't a what, the way is a who, right? The way isn't what you do, the way is who you know, right? Don't worry about what you do. Knowing who I am is gonna teach you what to do. I remember having a conversation with a young man um, in our church here and it was a 4th of July service, right? And he had just gotten saved. Like, it was his first time at church and he had just gotten saved. And like, he was, he was crazy, dude. Like, we were doing baptisms. Like, and we were doing like these big baptisms, big baptism services. And so we had like swimming pools out in the parking lot. And I think like 400 people got baptized on that Sunday, right? And so like, he came to the third service, I remember. And like, he didn't even, he didn't even come ready to, to, to be baptized. He jumped in with his jeans. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just said, man, Jesus, I, f- I don't know what happened. I felt something. I'm gonna get in the water, man. Let's go pool party, right? So he gets baptized. I get the opportunity to baptize him. It was awesome. Gave him a hug. He got a t-shirt. It was incredible. Came to church for a couple of weeks. Um, and then I lost him. That was 4th of July. I lost him. I didn't see him for months. And then right around October, I, I ran into him and I saw him at church. And when I looked at him, he was so sad, Sarah. He was looking at me. He said, oh, hey, Pastor Cruz, what's up? And I said, yo, my, my, my dude, like, where you been at, bro? And he's like, man, this is my first Sunday back, bro. Like, man, and he said this, man, I don't know, I don't know if that Jesus thing worked on me. Right? And I said, yo, what happened, bro? And he said, man, I don't know, bro. He said, man, like that day, that Sunday, man, when you baptized me and like I was in church and y'all were singing the songs and I was crying and I didn't know why I was crying. He's like, man, I thought my life changed that day. Um, he said, but man, after a couple of weeks, I just kind of went back to my old life, man. I went back to, and, and he started telling me details about his old life, right? And, 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 and I said, wow, man, what, are, are you okay now? He's like, well, not really, man. I'm, I'm still back in my old life. But then he says this, he says, but I hate it. He says, but I, but I hate it. I hate it. And I said, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. I said, so on the morning of 4th of July, before you met Jesus and had an encounter with Jesus, were you living this kind of way? He said, absolutely, bro. I was buck. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was just buck. If you not, you know what I'm saying? Like, just, I was wilding, bro. And I said, okay. And then you have a moment with Jesus. Something happens on the inside. And now here we are several months later. And you're back at what used to be. He said, yeah. And I said, okay. And I said, so you're living the same way you, you, you were living before you had a moment with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before you, before you had a moment with Jesus, you were good with it, right? Like you enjoyed it. He's like, yo, like for real, I enjoyed it. It was incredible. Like that was my life, man. I didn't know any better, right? And, I, and then he goes, I go, okay, well, how about now? He goes, man, I hate it. I'm miserable. I'm miserable. I said, so, okay, hold on. So, a couple months ago, you were doing this thing and you were having the time of your life. Now it's October, you're doing the same thing, but you're miserable. And the only thing changed was that you had a moment with Jesus. Yeah, and you're telling me it didn't work? And you're telling me nothing happened? And he said, I know man, but it's cause I'm still doing the same thing, man. I don't know what to do. And I said, bro, it doesn't matter. You met the right who. Because the way, the, the way is not a what. The way is a who. Jesus said, I'm the way. 
And if you know me, and if you and I are in relationship, I'll always lead you. And I said, bro, what has God, what has Jesus been telling you all these weeks, all these months? He said, just come back. And I said, wait, hold on. I said, so why are you here today? He said, because I woke up and I just felt like God was telling me to come back. And I said, and you're telling me nothing changed? Bro, do you recognize that you met the way? And now, and now there's something inside of you saying, come back to this place. Come back to this life. Can I tell you that the right what will never change your life? But the right who, one moment with the right who will change everything forever. And if you can just keep coming back to the right who, you can always, like, if you don't know the right what, you can come back to the who and be like, yo, Jesus, I don't know what to do, but I know who you are. You're the way. So will you show me the way? I don't know what to do in this situation, bro. Like, I'm, look, like, bro, like, like, I'm mad stressed right now. And the only thing I ever do when I get stressed is X, Y, Z. Is that what I'm not supposed to do? Right? Tell me Jesus won't be like, ah, man, try something different this time. Just stay home. And we're all saying, yeah, like we know, right? Like, come on. We're all saying, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He does tell us. And even when we get the what wrong, the who will always be right. Amen. Does that make sense to you? So Jesus says, I'm the way. The way is a who, not a what. Then he says, I'm the truth. Yes. Right? And this is what I need. The next two parts about Jesus over everything, he's the way over everything. Right? He is, he is absolutely the way over everything. That's John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I'm the way. He is the way over everything. Right? And so... That, that thought of him being the way is so key because your generation and, and popular culture generation will tell you there's many ways. There's a lot of ways up the mountain to God. There's a lot of way mountain, up, up, up the ways, ways to the Father. You know what, but can I tell you? Like, like there, there, there may be an option, but an option is not the way. There may be a perspective, but the perspective is not the way. Right? You may have an opinion, but our opinion, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to hurt some feelings, but I don't care. I love you enough to say it, right? Our opinion may not be the way. John 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's, it's destruction. Think about that. There's a way that seems right to me. You want, you want to know what wrong ways sound like often in my life? Well, here's what I think. You want to know what, what wrong ways sound like? Well, this is what I want to do. Right? And look, I'm grateful that, you, that man, I'm grateful that you've got a strong mind and I'm grateful right? That you're assertive and you're an alpha personality. I'm grateful, right? I'm grateful that you're bold and assertive and man, I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D. -E -E -D, do you know what I mean? I mean, like, I'm grateful that you're independent and in all of that. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you're that. You mean, I am, I am. But just because you're all that doesn't mean you have the right way. Because Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of it is destruction. Look, here, here's the flaw in the thinking that I always know the right way. Here's the flaw. Ready? I may know the way right now, but I don't know how it ends. Because I am not eternal. I am not omniscient. I don't have, I don't have a perspective of, of, of what might happen the next seven minutes. I have an opinion. I have a preference, but I don't have a certainty. 
of what might happen in the next seven years. And I'm making decisions today like, oh, I know exactly how my life is going to go in the next seven years. But think about when you were in high school a couple of years ago, what you thought life was going to look like. And there was a way that seemed right unto a, a young little high school senior who just graduated, who now six, seven years year later, you're like, man, that wasn't the way, bro. That wasn't the move, bro. Right? Why? Because we're flawed. How are we flawed? I do not have an eternal perspective. I don't, I may know part of the way, but I don't know all of the way. You see what I'm saying? There may be a way that seems right to me right now. And see, that's the issue a lot of times. A lot of times the issue is like, well, it seems right to me. It works for me. It feels good to me. That's great. And do you, boo-boo, right now. Right? But tell me how that works for you seven years from now. Tell me how that works for you. When you're 35, maybe that'll work when you're 23. But tell me what that decision making is going is, is gonna to feel like when you're 42. Tell me what that feels like. Tell, tell, tell me how that works. Can you tell me? Can you tell me with certainty? No, you can't because you cannot see the end. Psalm 139 verse 23. David says it this way. He says, search my heart, O God. Search my heart, O God. And look what he asked God to look for in his heart. You ready? Watch. He's, you know what he asked for? Okay. Jesus is the what? Way. Jesus is the, way. right? Jesus is the way. He's, Jesus is the way. Watch this. So there's the way, and then there is a way in my heart, right? Watch this. Watch. So David prays to, to God, and he's like, hey, God, look, search my heart, God, and find in me every wicked way. Find in me every wicked way. There are ways that are contrary to God's perfect plan for our lives that are contrived in our hearts, right? And now let me tell you what that means because you hear the word wicked and immediately it's like, oh shoot, the wicked witch of the West. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is evil, it's the devil. You know what I'm saying? Like, Satan. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, that word wicked, you ready? I want you to write this down and I I really want you to pay attention to this, the word wicked. That word wicked literally means this. That word wicked literally means this, ready? So it means an opinion that will lead me to disobedience and ultimately destruction. Right? Let me say that to you again. Ready? Here's the definition. The definition of of wicked. Right? Ready? An opinionated spirit that begins with a disagreement, leads to disobedience, and ultimately destruction. It starts with an opinion. Do you want to know why you and I live in a broken world? Because an opinion got in the heart of Adam and Eve. Do you want to know how an opinion starts, Mario? Here's how an opinion starts. Ready? This is what the devil puts in our mind all the time. I mean, God God didn't really mean that, did he? God didn't really say that, did he, Victoria? I mean, I know he said don't do this, but I mean, come on. I mean, for real? Is it really that bad? And an opinion in your generation typically sounds like this. Ready? I don't see nothing wrong with that. I don't see nothing wrong. He just got, he just got hit with sex trafficking charges. Y'all know who I'm talking about. I don't see nothing wrong. Well, now you're doing time, right? Like, Wow. We won't, we won't, we won't, we won't pick on people. We pray, we pray for everybody, right? But it starts off with that. Hey God, but look at the prayer. 
right? This is what Jesus over everything looks like. And I love that we're just unpacking the way. In the next couple episodes, we'll unpack the truth and the life, okay? But we're just finishing the way tonight. Jesus is the way. He's the way over everything. He's the way over everything, over every one of my opinions, right? But watch, because watch, look, Psalm 139, he says this, Lord, search my heart. And if there's any wicked way, if there's any opinion in me that disagrees with you, right? Dude, I want it my way. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm old enough now to have some maturity. I'm a little bit, right? I'm old enough. I'm old enough to know that like, like certain decisions lead to certain consequences. But even then, it's like, man, but I want it my way. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like and, and, and it's not even like big things in my life, right? But it's little things that God's like, man, I want, bro, I want to bless you with good health, man. I want you to, like, you know what I'm saying? I want you to look good in your 40s, bro. But I'm like, but I want it my way. Could I please eat at nighttime? Like, could I please, can I, you know what I'm saying? Like, my girls went to a birthday party last night. They came home with candy bags. Could I please eat the little tamarindo? You know what I'm saying? Like, the little chili Mexican candy. Could I please eat that at 11 o'clock at night? This guy's like, what do you want? You can have it your way, but you're going to get your results. How's that working for you? Or you can do it my way and get my results. And I believe that's what David was praying in Psalm 139. Hey, God, search my heart. See, that's what Jesus over everything looks like. That's what it sounds like. That's what that prayer sounds like. You know, Jesus, Jesus had a moment like that. Jesus totally had a moment like that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? That's, that's like a moment right before he, get, he goes to be crucified. It's like the night before. And he tells his, he talks to his father. The Bible says that he's under such pressure that he's sweating. And he's, he's sweating literal perspiration and sweating blood at the same time. He's under the pressure and he's telling the father, hey, look, it, man, if, if it's cool with you, can we not do this? If it's cool with you, right? He had a moment too. Jesus is human too. He knows what that feels like. That's good news for me and you because when we go pray to him and we're like, hey, Jesus, I don't, man, I don't like doing it this way. Wow, for real, bro. Like, like I, I want to do it different, dude, right? But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, not my way, but your will, your way. And here's what Jesus over everything, Jesus' way over everything sounds like in our time of prayer. Hey God, search my heart. What's my heart? You ready? My heart is how I feel, what I think because of how I feel, and what I do because of how I feel and what I think. Did you catch that connection? The human heart. So when people say, hey, follow your heart, slap your friends. That say, like, no, for just be like, be like, like the Batman with Robin meme, right? Like, hey, just follow your, <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, like, no, I don't want to follow my heart because my emotions are liars sometimes. Yeah. My emotions are fickle and trifling, man. Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah. How fast can your emotions change from one minute to the next, one text to the next, one moment to the next, one circumstance to the next? You go to bed happy, you wake up to a bad text message. You know what I'm saying? Like your feelings can go so bad. People tell you, follow your heart. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Your heart is how I feel, what I think about how I feel, and what I choose to do based off of what I think and how I feel. Have you ever made a decision that you regretted? 
Because you felt some type of way and you thought some type of way, right? Have you ever, have you ever made a decision where you thought, like, Man, I deserve this, treat yourself. <laughs> for real though, yes or no? Tell the truth and shame the devil. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, like, I deserve this. Man, I've been, I've, I've been being good for three months, man. I'm gonna just go out tonight. Oh, dang. I, did, I do, did I just say that? Right? But that's an opinion. Right? You see how that's an opinion? I deserve this. But Jesus is like, but I died for you. Whose are you? Who, who do you belong to? I paid a price for you. Oh, oh so you're, you're, you're your own. Did you buy yourself back? Because I bought you with my blood. What did you pay me to buy yourself back? You see what I'm saying? And it's so funny, right? Because like, okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Okay, so the moment I now have an opinion, now I'm saying, hey, um, Jesus, I'm going to need you to go ahead and get up off the throne. And I'm going to need you to go ahead and take the crown off your head. And I'm going to need you to give that back to me, please. Because I'm going to go ahead and sit back down on the throne, put the crown on my head and say, here's what we're going to do. Because that's really what's happening when we're living in our opinions, in our preferences. Yeah. In our, you know what I'm saying? We're saying, uh, Jesus, hey, thanks for the advice. Appreciate you, bro. I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> mad quiet. Mad quiet up in this church tonight, right? Like mad, mad quiet up. Mad quiet up here, right? But that's what we're saying, yes or no. My opinion weighs more than what you did in your way. And that's what David was saying in Psalm 139. He was saying, hey, God, every place of my life that is trying to kick you off the throne and knock the crown off your head, will you find it in my heart? Because I know it's in there. I know it's in my heart. I know it's in there. And the truth is, it's in there. It's in there every day, every day, every day. The, the Lord is working it out. Every day is better than the day before. Every day I'm a little more mature than the day before. Every day it's, it, 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 I get a little more strength than the day before. However, there are areas of my life that are rebelling against the voice of God. Let's just be honest, right? And so what David is saying, yo, look, Jesus, I want you over everything, right? And I'm going to take a moment to, push, like, to, to, to remind you, it's Jesus over your willpower, because a lot of times we think, we'll, see, we'll know those opinions are in us and we're like, oh no, I'm strong enough. No, you're not. No, you're, no, 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 you're not. The wrong text message at the wrong time with the wrong circumstances during your day and you'll wake up doing the, the walk of shame, babe. You're strong, but you're not that strong and you're smart, but I'm not that smart. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, Jesus, it's you over everything. It's you over my perspectives. Amen. It's you over my options. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like one of the things that, that, that undoes children of God more than anything, it's not even the devil, bro. It's us having options. You know what, God? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna go, I'm, I'm actually going to go with door number two, Jesus. I'm going to go, I'm gonna, I'm, I know, I know, I know, but I can go this way too though, right? Like I can go this way. All right, bet. I'm going to go this way. 
And can I remind you that you and I are called to faithfulness? And let me give you the, def the definition of faithfulness. Let me bless your life a little bit with faithfulness. Here's the defini definition of faithfulness. Ready? Faithfulness is a return to, a return to the original agreement. A return to commitment to the original agreement. That's what faithfulness is. Let me give it to you again. A return to commitment to the original agreement. Right? And you can only be faithful when you have options. Let me help you understand it. Let me help you understand it. Ready? A dude who's married but has no options. That's not faithful. That's you got lucky. Does that make sense to you? Did, did, did you catch that? Did you catch it? You caught it? You caught it? You caught it? You caught it? You, we're kind of slow in this. this you know, like, here we go. Look, 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 look. I'm, if, if, if I'm a dude and I'm married, but I have no options, that's not faithfulness. That's, I got lucky. She liked me enough to marry me. Hello. But you want to know what faithfulness is? When a dude has options and his wife would never know. But he says, now nah, I'm returning back to agreement to the original commitment. I said yes to you, even though I have an option. I'm coming back to the agreement that I committed to, the original agreement. And when you and I said yes to Jesus, I want, us, I want to remind us that there was a moment where it's like, okay, well, I'm calling you to faithfulness. I'm calling you to do things my way. Okay. And when we raise our hand and say, Jesus, you're Lord, do we know what that means? Do you know what a Lord is? A Lord is you're the king, bro. It's like I'm standing up off the throne. I'm taking the crown off my head and I'm saying, all right, you sit there now, bro. You're the boss. You're the boss and whatever you say goes, right. right? That's what we said yes to when we said yes to Jesus. And when we have an option, faithfulness says, nah, man, I'm coming back to Jesus. It's Jesus over everything. And I'm gonna land the plane with this, ready? So he says, hey God, search my heart for every opinion every preference and every option that separates me from you, that could, that will, will, every opinion, every preference, every option, every opinion, every preference, every option. I can almost smell oops, every opinion, every option, every preference, and every stupid thing. Oops, just kidding, whatever, whatever. You get it? It's O-O-O-O-O-P-S, whatever. Uh, thank you. Um, anyway, watch, watch, watch. He said, anything that would cause me to disagree with you, that would eventually lead me to disobey you and would ultimately destroy my life, will you please search my heart and show it to me? And watch, and then he says this, and don't just show it to me, because how often does God show it to you? Because it's not his way unless I allow him to lead me down that path. And David says it this way, finding me every wicked way and lead me. See, that's what Jesus over everything sounds like when we pray. When he's the only way. Jesus, you're the only way I'm going to live my life. You're the only way I'm going to raise my kids. You're the only way I'm going to manage my money. You're the only way I'm going to deal with my sexuality. You're the only way I'm going to deal with my ambitions. I just said sexuality. Yes, there is a way to deal with your sexuality in a way that Jesus is the Lord over it. It's not just about not having sex, fam. And we'll talk about that later because that's what we get like, oh man, the churches don't want me to have sex. No, we do. We want you to have a lot of really good sex in the right context, in a way where you don't disobey God. 
and disagree with God and destroy your life. Huh. You know what I'm saying? We'll talk about that later, right? But he's, he's essentially like Jesus. I want, I want your way. You're the only way. You're the only way that I'm going to represent you in my life, to my family, to the people around me. You're the only way. You're the only way. Jesus over everything. And he says, and this is how you're going to be over everything. You lead me. You lead me in the way that is everlasting. That's a beautiful perspective. Ready? Here's what he's saying. Hey, God, I know you're eternal. And I know I live here and now. But there, and, and, I, and I'm believing for if and when. But in you, because you're eternal, there's no such thing as if and when. Everything is always now to you. So you know me when I'm 32 and I'm a wife. You know me when I'm 35 and a husband and a father. You know what that looks like. Even though I'm only 23 today, you know what I look like at 43. And there are things that you're asking me to do in my here and now because you live already in my if and when. And you're giving me instructions here and now from what you know about me and who you want me to be if and when. And so God, I'm going to allow you to lead me from your everlasting perspective. I'm going to allow you to lead me from your point of view 20 years down the road. I'm going to allow you to lead me in a way that doesn't make sense in my 20s because I know you know something about me in my 40s. And I don't want God. I don't want my opinions, my preferences, or my, or my perspectives to destroy or separate me from the way and the plan that you have for my life. Amen. Right? And this is why you and I have to live in a way where we say, hey, God, you're the only way. That's how we live Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. He's the only way. There is no other way. He's the only way. Jesus over everything. Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our time together today. Lord, I thank you, thank you for everyone who's here today and everyone who's going to listen to this or watch this. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that today that this word speaks to our hearts, that it would instruct us and lead us down the way on the way, Father, and that our opinions, our preferences, Lord, our options don't get in the way. Jesus, we want your way over everything. Amen. And so for those of us that are here tonight, for those, anyone who experiences content, Lord, I just pray, Father, that in our hearts we turn to you, Father. I've tried my way. I'm old enough to know that I've tried my way, and my way, my way hardly ever works the way I think it will. But tonight, Jesus, we just say, Lord, search our hearts. We open our hearts to you tonight. Find in us, identify it. Lord, bring it to our attention. Every opinion, every option, every preference that would cause us to disagree with you, that would cause us to disobey you, and that might end up destroying our purpose, your purpose, your plan, God. Would you, would you point that out to us? And Lord, I pray that we have the courage that when you do point it out to us, that we have the courage to say, okay, Jesus, I see it. And I want you over everything. I want your way over everything. So lead me your way. Lead me your way. I'll do it your way, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you guys. I love you guys.